ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Know your ears do not deceive you. It is I, Joe Molinax, site manager of grizzlybearblues.com, back in the digital voice uh, flesh, however you want to say it. I'm, I'm happy to be back on the GBB Podcast Network airwaves. It's been a little while. Uh, it's been a crazy summer for me for a variety of reasons, but you guys don't necessarily care about all the things going on in my personal life. You care about the Memphis Grizzlies and the NBA. That's why you're listening to the show. So we're going to jump right in. I'm excited to be joined by my co-host for this show. Although I, I guess going into next season, we have to reevaluate this. Mr. Superstar, Mr. Solo host of the long view, our newest podcast on the GBB podcast network, Mr. Parker Fleming joins me now. Are you going to ditch me Parker? Is that what's going to happen? Am I going to have to go by myself this season? No, nah, I'll do if you, how about this? If you want me on the show with you, that's fine. It's all okay. good. I, all right. I'm, def- I'm definitely, this isn't one of those things where it's like Kyrie wanting to go to Boston and get away from LeBron. See, I can, I can be a co-star, but okay. I can also run, run the show here a little bit. But no, I, I appreciate you uh, giving me the green light with this and, and with our guests just before we started. I, I think our guest is you know, right up there with uh, what people would call the big dogs of draft coverage, like the Javonis, Mike Schmitz, Kevin O'Connor, Sam Ficini, uh Jonathan Wasserman, all those guys. I think this guy's right up there with them. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get into this show. As long as you're not running away from me, Parker, that makes me feel better. I, I worry sometimes that people leave me because my personality <laughs> is overbearing and I hate Jay Crowder so much and and all those things. I don't want you to run away from me for all those reasons. So I appreciate that, Parker. And Parker's doing a great job with our podcast network. The Long View is a fantastic show. I've been listening to the episodes that he's been putting out. Make sure you're listening to that, as well as Core 4, 3 and D, Starting 5. We just have five shows on the network now, which is awesome. So I'm very excited about that as we build up GBB's podcast repertoire. Ways to get in touch with our show, Grizzly Bear Blues Live. You can follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. You can follow Parker on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. And you can follow the blog that Parker and I are so very fortunate to be uh, two, two of the folks at the, at the helm of. I'm the site manager. Parker's my associate editor. Um, we have Brandon Abraham, a triumvirate, if you will, of folks. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky to be entering, I believe this is year five or year six. I can't even keep count anymore uh, as the site manager over at GBB. At SBN Grizzlies, it's grown by leaps and bounds uh, in the last five or six years. Folks like Parker, Brandon, Nate Chester, Sean Coleman, Justin Lewis, the list goes on and on. We've added great talent like Ben Hogan, Bryce Hayes. Um, Again, I I can't list everybody because there's too many, but those are just names that jump out at me off the top of my head. Brandon Smart's done a tremendous job covering Grizz Gaming. Um, It's really an, an awesome team that we've assembled over at GBB. So I'm lucky to be at the head of the ship, but I've got a great team that I get a chance to work with. Parker is very excited about this draft for a lot of different reasons. And of course I am too. Parker just gets into it a little bit earlier than me. And and I'm going to educate myself on this episode, folks, because I'm very excited to have the guest that we have because he knows this draft up and down. Parker, of course, is is a bit of a, a budding expert himself. But this gentleman, Rich Stamen, at Mavs Draft on Twitter, he does a fantastic job covering the draft, focusing on it. He's a credentialed NBA draft analyst. He's a co-host of the Mavs Draft podcast. So he has some Mavericks tendencies. We'll forgive him for that on this episode of GBB Live. But the bottom line is he is a remarkable, remarkable draft analyst. And we're going to focus on sleepers because everybody's talking about 
Zaire Williams and, you know, Corey Kispert and, and all these guys that folks, even Trey Murphy has gained some, some headway. And I know a lot about Trey Murphy because I'm a UVA basketball fan, but I want to educate myself because I know those guys, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm on top of the top, you know, 20 to 30 prospects, even some of the second rounders that could be there for the Grizzlies in the early fifties where they have their second round pick. But I want sleepers. I want guys that I need to educate myself on. And hopefully you want to be educated on as well as we prep for the NBA draft over at GBB. So again, without further ado, Mr. Rich Stamen at Mavs draft on Twitter. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. It's great to be back. Uh, I think I was on here last year. So very excited to be back. Yes, but I think that was just you and Parker, if I remember correctly. So was I on the show? Yeah, it was just you and Parker. So Mm -hmm. this is a great chance for us to talk. And like I said, I... The way that I handle the draft, Rich, is probably like the way most uh, lay people do uh, in terms of the NBA draft. Season concludes for the Grizzlies whenever it does, and then I dive into draft coverage. Um, And and I really kind of study film. I try not to just watch highlights. I try to find games on YouTube or, you know, other means of of finding those games and and try to educate myself on, on the prospects because we do a lot of different stuff at GBB. We do the consensus big board, which I know is coming up in the next couple of weeks with Parker. We do the community mock draft, which is going on as we speak. And I want to slam my head through a window pane for thinking of the idea. Um, And I say that it's just a lot of work to keep up with, but at the same time, you know, people get into it, which is good. And that's the whole point uh, of the community mock draft is that community engagement. So GBB covers the draft pretty well, but there are always names that slip through the cracks, Rich. And that's one of your expertise or one of your points of expertise. So the Grizzlies pick at number 17, at least as of now, they're slated to pick there. I personally would be surprised if they do, but let's assume that they do, okay? Because I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. So let's assume they pick at 17. And again, we, we, Chris Duarte used to be a sleeper, but now everybody talks about him. I'm interested in two guys that knowing the Grizzlies, because you know the Grizzlies pretty well, knowing how the Grizzlies front office thinks. What are two guys that you believe at number 17 could be sleepers that aren't getting enough shine in terms of being looks for the Memphis Grizzlies? Yeah, so the two guys, they're both front court players, uh, probably forwards that can play the center. Uh, first one is JT Thor from Auburn. He is one of the quickest risers in the draft. He went from second round gamble to probably going first round, and he might, and I, I don't think his rise is done yet he's probably going to go top 20 i would think i think you're even getting towards lottery discussions like it wouldn't shock me if the magic take him at eight that's how high i think he could go so if he's there at 17 i think he's that guy uh that would really just do a lot for what memphis needs despite you know a lot of the needs coming in the backcourt he's that high upside player you could pair next to john morant and jaron jackson i think they could coexist pretty well He's got a really quick release on his jumper, long arms, great defensively, one of the best lateral movers in the entire draft and can create for himself too. Sounds good to me. Do you have anything to add on that, Parker? No, I, I think JT Thor is extremely interesting. I, I've I've been watching a, a lot of scouting reports here lately on him, and uh, I, I do think his youthful upside is interesting. Uh, he's, he's 6'10", 7'3", wingspan, really smooth touch. Uh I guess it's just that positional thing. You know, is he a three or is he a four? Is he a guy that can defend out on the perimeter? Uh, Kind of, I hate using ceilings, but, you know, for like casual fans, it kind of helps capture a little bit of like a prospect uh, and just their potential. Like 
if you can like kind of compare him to a player, Rich, who would you kind of say JT Thor has reminded you of in the uh honestly? Honestly, the only player that comes to mind when I when I describe him uh, is, you know, a little bit of shades of Jaron Jackson Jr. I really don't think there's anybody in the league right now that's really like him. Uh, he's just that unique, just being a forward who can do a little bit of everything, create his own shot. Um, it, it's a very rare player, and it is kind of similar to Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he's a little bit smoother in terms of aesthetics, but not necessarily better. Well, hold on. First off, I, I want to revisit something before we get too deep into the Thor, which, by the way, great name. I mean, there's all sorts <laughs> of sound effects. There's all sorts of ways that you can go with old Thor. Um, Parker, I thought you were Mr. Positionless Basketball. I thought you were the guy that says, hey, let's, let's get, you know, multiple versatile pieces. And in all the stuff yeah. that I've read about JT Thor, and again, like I said, the point of this is sleepers. I'm not as well versed on JT Thor as I am on others. But in the amount of reading and watching that I've been able to do, this guy seems pretty versatile. He can shoot the three. He has the capacity to defend multiple positions. He has a frame that he can add weight. You know, that's important to me because obviously these guys are so young, especially Thor coming out as a freshman. He's a younger player. He's going to be able to get stronger over the next few years and be able to take the wear and tear of the NBA schedule. He seems like a decent type of guy to have in terms of that versatility, almost like an Al Farouk Aminu type to me from from like I said the brief viewings of this I did or uh, Mba Mute going even a little further back than Alfaru Kaminu um why why are you thinking that his lack of position may be a concern here Parker oh it's not necessarily lack of position it's just kind of like what I saw it's like I see like he's a pretty fluid athlete he's a pretty fluid basketball player a good jump shooter can has the potential to create at three levels and just one of the biggest uh, needs for the Grizzlies for such a long time, even though I think Dylan Brooks has filled in admirably in this role, is a big wing that can create his own shot. So basically, like, if he can play the wing, you know, can you put him at the three in lineups where you have John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., Jonas Valanciunas? That's something uh, to note there. But I, I do think it's interesting you brought up those particular players because I, like, was watching. I'm like, okay, if his offensive game just does not pan out, I see a little bit of, like, Rondé Hollis Jefferson in him. Okay. It's just like, Fluid, uh, kind of positionless. Rondé was able to play the five, uh, can roll, can defend in space. But yeah, I, I really like that sleeper, Rich. That that that's a good one, especially since I think the Grizzlies should take an upside swing in this draft. And I don't think there's a bigger swing than JT Thor in this draft. Yeah, I mean, he's again, he's one of the risers, but he's also like I don't think he's a mainstream riser yet. I think he's kind of the hype hasn't caught up to where he actually is. And I think 17 is a very realistic landing spot for him. Like I know Kevin O'Connor is somebody who is uh, he's polarizing among draft folks. Uh, He doesn't have JT Thor in his top 30, for example. He's not even on the radar in the first round um, in the big board, at least for for, uh, Kevin O'Connor. But using other resources, uh, there's people that have him in the mid first round. You know, there, there's lots of different folks that have him in that range. So maybe it is one of those things where he's a late riser and once big boards are updated, uh, more, more close to the draft, uh, JT Thor will move on up there. We're talking with Rich Stamen. Rich Stamen, you may know him better at Mavs Draft on Twitter. He's a credentialed NBA draft analyst. He's the co-host of the Mavs Draft podcast. He does a, or he's also the host of Locked On NBA Draft. He does a fantastic job with everything NBA draft leading up to this draft and beyond. 
we were talking before we started recording. He and I have followed each other for a long time. I really respect the work that he does. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Mavs Draft. Okay, so JT Thor, I'm almost on board with him just because I'm an ignoramus and I love the idea of like lightning being shot out whenever <laughs> he does a dunk or, you know, Thor from uh, using sound bites from the Marvel movies. Uh, so, but in terms of his positional fit, like, like Parker said, for me, I guess my biggest question would be, can he play the three? Because Jaron is probably the four. You have Kyle Anderson again right now, still on the roster. So Kyle plays the four the best in terms of what he is best at right now. So can he play some of that three? Can he coexist with those guys? That's an interesting question. Who's your second sleeper for the Grizzlies at number 17? Because again, the point of this episode of GBB Live, folks, is to find sleepers. You can go on you know, any mock draft. You can go on any big board. You can learn about a Cameron Thomas, a Zaire Williams, uh, Isaiah Jackson. You know, there's guys that are going to be known. We're looking for deep cuts here, B-sides, so to speak. Yeah, so the second one is Roko Prokocin, and he's from Croatia. He is 18 until Thanksgiving. I think that's when his birthday is this year, is the day of Thanksgiving. He is very versatile. He's young. He can play a little bit of small ball five, at least over in Europe. I don't know how much that translates because he only has a 6'11 wingspan. But he has some point forward traits, can rebound, decent shooting touch, uh, even though it's an area of improvement, but can handle the ball, can pretty much, it's just the name of the game for him is versatility, which I feel like is a pretty Memphis thing lately. And I feel like that's just a great fit for both sides. And again, if you're looking for upside, if you're looking for someone that doesn't need to immediately contribute right now, this guy, to me, seems like someone that fits that bill. He has the time to adjust to the NBA game because if the roster stays as it currently is and you bring back Justice Winslow on the team option, which a lot of folks get mad at me for saying, but they clearly value him. Um, if you bring back Jonte Porter, which they may not do, that's 14 guys under contract. So you might even have like a draft and stash kind of situation or however you can finagle that within your draft picks. Uh, Parker, I, I like this kid. I think he has an, a pretty impressive skill set. He kind of reminds me of Kyle Anderson in some ways in terms of his frame, in terms of the way that he can create in that point forward role. Uh, I, I like I, I like the cut of his jib. Like I don't necessarily think that he is a finished project product, excuse me, by any stretch of the imagination. He, he appears to be. Uh, not so hot from shooting beyond the arc. But at the same time, we talk about having a bigger wing who can create off the dribble. He checks those boxes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I, I have him as like a borderline first round pick. So like somewhere like low 30s, high 20s. And I do want to ask you, Rich, because, you know, the, the international guys that are more trendy at the moment, you know, you have um, Alfred Shugan. I think it's how you pronounce it. Uh, Josh Giddy has gotten a lot of attention and traction, but particularly kind of like outside of that tier, the international prospect that's getting more attention than Rocco is Friends Blagenberg, who is actually working out for the Grizzlies today uh, per Jonathan Wasserman. And, you know, I, I was looking at the a latest mod draft and it actually had them passing on Blagenberg at – uh, 51, which kind of upsets me. I think that his potential is really cool. But like, what would you say is like, I guess the difference or some any similarities with Roku and friends? Just because you have know, this guy who's kind of become more this draft Twitter 
uh, favorite in uh, Blaschenberg, but then also you have Roku who may be able to offer some of that similar stuff, but at a younger age. Yeah, so I think the the big difference is pretty much with Vrenz. He's more of a guard uh, at 6'10", whereas Roku is a secondary playmaker, uh, like one of those front court creators, where he's not going to break guys down one-on-one, whereas Vrenz kind of can. You know, Vrenz averaged three and a half assists per game in Belgium. Uh, Roko, I think, was only like one and a half or two. So that's a big difference is pretty much how they create. And then I also think the forcing turnovers. Renz has long arms. I think he said he had a 7-1 wingspan. Um, he can force a lot a lot of turnovers more than Roko, but Roko probably holds his ground and is more disciplined on the defensive end. So they're they're kind of different. Like Renz is a higher upside guy and Roko's the high floor guy. That's how I see it. I'm intrigued. I like both of these options. I think that if you go into it with the understanding that Memphis needs another guy who can play on the perimeter, who has that versatility, who can create for himself off the dribble, the only concern, of course, would be his ability to shoot, which doesn't appear to be in place as of right now. But again, that doesn't mean that it won't ever be in place. I'm looking at a website right now, and again, forgive me if this is not a a good source, um, but I'm just, you know, I just Googled Roko. And he, this is what popped up. Somebody, uh, NBA draft room, compared him to TJ Warren. So maybe that, again, TJ Warren doesn't really have a ton of outside range. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of curious to do more research about him. Again, maybe this isn't the best source, but, uh, you know, I'm curious to do more research on him in particular because I think that we, we have to look at replacing, to me, Parker. Kyle Anderson and Jonas Valanciunas are not longed for this Grizzlies world. I don't see them both coming back. I could see a reality where one of them is re-signed in free agency. I don't think they both do. And if you think that Jonas Valanciunas is the better player, which there's statistical arguments to be made there, he's not as versatile as Kyle, obviously, but he dominates as a rebounder. He dominates in in and around the rim. Uh, If you value that more and you move on from Kyle, you're going to need another bigger wing because they have so many smaller wings. So Rocco would certainly check that book box, as would JT Thor, if you think he's capable of playing the three, Parker. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do think that's a good, shameless podcast plug here, but long view way of looking at stuff. You know, uh, you have it's also not even just the fact of not seeing them as part of the futures. Because, I mean, there could probably be a little finagling here and there to where they're on the team long term, but – you know, stuff's about to get pretty expensive with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. getting extensions. So Correct. some of these role players, you know, like your Tyus Jones and Grayson Allen and D'Anthony Melton, Kyle Anderson, Jonas Valanciunas, you may need to kind of have somebody ready to go just in case you kind of get priced out a little bit. And I, I do think that someone like Roku Prakken could be a guy that you can kind of marinate let him grow into a player kind of see where you want to use him and then when those decisions are made he's ready to go that's the important thing again they the grizzlies have time but they don't have time if that makes sense they have time in the sense of for this coming year if they don't want to make any major changes they don't have to the core of their team is in place but john morant is going to get a max extension like that's going to happen in two years there's no doubt about that The Jaron Jackson extension is a little more interesting. I wrote about that for the blog earlier this week. And I think somewhere in the four-year, $90 million mix makes a lot of sense. But between John and Jaron, that's going to be over $50 million probably, or roughly $50 million tied up in two players. That takes up a a big chunk of your cap, at least underneath the cap. 
Um, you you got to start making decisions on some of these guys if you want to continue to progress the roster. So it, it's a good thing to know that you have roughly a year with this number 17 pick. He doesn't have to be ready right now. And Memphis, in fairness, this front office, they have made it very clear that they prioritize, or at least in the last two drafts, players that are ready right now, whether it's Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman, uh, Desmond Bain. Those are three players, obviously not so much Clark last season, but all three of them throughout these last two campaigns have played major roles for the Grizzlies, and they dropped in their draft availability because of their age, because they aged out to a lot of these NBA GMs. And the Memphis Grizzlies front office said, oh, I know these guys are good at basketball. I'll happily take them. Now that you have that roster set, you can maybe take more of that upside swing at number 17, like you, like we've talked about over at GBB and like we've talked about throughout this podcast. When we come back, we are going to move on to the second half of our show. After the break, we're going to take a look at second-round sleepers. People forget the Grizzlies have a pick in the early 50s from the Portland Trailblazers. Who are they going to take? Are they going to trade it? That might be a possibility. But again, we're assuming they're staying at 17 in, uh, like I have it at 51 here. We're assuming they're staying in those ranges. We just got done talking about the first round. We're going to focus on the second round next. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax, joined by my co-host, Parker Fleming, and our guest on this episode of the show, the wonderful Mavs Draft, Mr. Rich Damon himself, credentialed NBA analyst, co-host of the Mavs Draft podcast, host of Locked On NBA Draft, does a remarkable job covering the NBA Draft. If you don't follow him on Twitter, at Mavs Draft, you're doing your prep for the 2021 NBA Draft wrong. Okay, so in the first segment, we talked about JT Thor, and we talked about, I'm going to mispronounce it, so Parker, I'm going to let you fill in here. JT Thor and Roku Prakken. I think that's how you pronounce it. Is that correct, Rich? Let's let Rich, yeah, Rich just got it. Uh, Prakachin. Roku Prakachin. Okay, so we got those two guys as our sleepers for number 17. Again, everybody's talking about the sexy names, and that's fine. There's a time and a place for that. We're trying to be special on this episode of GBB Live. We're going sleepers. We're going B-sides. We're going deep cuts, so to speak. Okay, so we just got done with pick 17. Let's jump into the pick that not very many people talk about, the second-round pick that the Grizzlies have. And to be clear, they could trade this. They could tag this to another player as part of a larger trade. They could make it a true draft and stash, and this guy may never even play in the NBA. And there's lots of different ways they can go, but we're going the sleeper route here. Rich, who is your first sleeper for the Memphis Grizzlies in the second round at number 51? Yeah, so I'm keeping the theme here with the difficult-to-pronounce names. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Seton Hall, and, and he's from the Republic of Georgia, uh, Big East Player of the Year, Sandro Mamukelashvili. He is a point forward. We like the point forwards here at GBB and on the Memphis oh, yeah. Grizzlies. I think that you that's know, very valuable, Parker. Oh, yeah, and uh, the front office has prioritized you know big men that can pass with these kind of flyer picks, whether it's Xavier Tillman or it's – Jonte Porter, Achille and Tilly, uh, they, they like big playmakers. And Coach Jenkins would tell you straight up, like when I, I've asked him about like small ball basketball before he goes, I wouldn't necessarily call it that. I, he, he likes to call it having as many playmakers on the floor as possible, like getting playmaking lineups out there. And Sandra with his size and his passing ability, I mean, he would be a pr- pretty groovy uh, backup five down the road for sure. One thing I, I'm very interested with, and I know you never really draft for – you're not supposed to draft need over or yeah, need over talent. Um, but it, it's something you still got to keep in mind. And especially if, I mean, at 51, it's not 
necessarily the the biggest deal in the world, but I guess it could apply to 17 as well. But you have guys like Brandon Clark and you have guys like Xavier Tillman that are kind of waiting in the wings a little little bit to see who ends up next to Jaron Jackson Jr. down the line, or they're just they could be part of the long term future in general. So like targeting a big man like Sandro, is it kind of just one of those, okay, he's the best talent you can get at 51? Or do you kind of just see like a, a, a need there, Rich? Yeah, so I think it's a little bit of both. I'm ridiculously high on Sandro. I have him at 27. Um, so it's a little bit of, hey, he's clearly the best player available. But also, yeah, I mean, you kind of said it. Like, I've, One of my needs for Memphis is that they need shot creators or just simple playmakers for others in any way. Any Either of those two things, um, the, that's what they need, I feel like. And I think Sandro at 51, you know, you really don't expect your 51st pick to be – someone who could maybe play, but he's a four-year guy, can really space the floor, can handle the ball, can run, pick, and roll as the ball handler. And you don't hear about that from someone who's 6'10", 6'11", has a 7'1 wingspan. The only thing for him, though, with Memphis is can you play him with another rim protector because he doesn't protect the rim himself? And that's that's really, I think, what would be the make or break for Memphis drafting him. I'm going to make a very hot proclamation here, and I'm going to – center it with making it understood that I want to emphasize the very, 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 very poor man part. Okay. I'm getting Jokic vibes from this guy (laughs) in in terms of being the random second round big that nobody really pays attention to. Like Jokic got drafted during a commercial, right? Like there was a Taco Bell commercial going on while Jokic was drafted. So <laughs> I, I'm not saying he's going to be that. By Please don't flood Twitter and GBB and say that I'm an idiot comparing this guy to Jokic. I see offensive skill that I'm surprised that he's so low on so many boards because of. And obviously that's why we have Rich here. He's waking it. He's awakening us with these sleepers. Uh, I'm intrigued by what he is able to do off the dribble. And that's one of the things that makes me most excited about Jaron Jackson Jr. long-term. Obviously, having a volume three-point shooter is great. But we talk about the need for having a wing who can create for himself off the dribble. Jaron Jackson Jr. can kind of do that. And as we alluded to in the first segment, there's nobody in the NBA right now like Jaron Jackson Jr. And that's one of the reasons I think Memphis will re-sign him. What are they going to replace him with? There is nothing to replace him with. Uh, in terms of what he's physically capable of doing when he's healthy. And health is, of course, the key with him. Uh, Similar here, he's got some unicorn tendencies to be that size, to be able to create off the dribble the way that he can. He's not a bad shooter. Again, he can take guys off the dribble. If we're talking about five-out offensive sets, as a center, he has the handle to be able to get to the basket utilizing the dribble. And not many NBA bigs can do that. So, I'm intrigued by him. I agree. His defense does not look very good from the the film that I've seen here as we've talked about him. Um, But at the same time, that's something that, again, can develop, can grow. And this is a guy at 51, Parker. You know, we joke with Brandon Abraham all the time. He also, in addition to being the associate editor for GBB, he's kind of our requisite uh, G League guru. Uh, He covers the Memphis Hustle extensively for us and does it better than anybody else in Memphis. Uh, This guy would be wonderful to have with the Memphis hustle and just kind of stash him down there and let him develop as they figure out the rest of the roster. I like referring to these guys as Abraham all-stars. Yes, And I I do think that he would be like the Jokic of the, the Abraham all-stars. I I think it'd be, he would have some fun in South Haven. I I think he would have a lot of fun watching his game, watch him grow, watch him 
kind of make some risque, um, groovy passes. Uh, yeah, I, I think Sandro, I'm not going to try the last name, is a very trendy prospect. I think if he's at 51, I think a lot of people should. I mean, not like how we were in the bluff when the Grizzlies traded up for Brandon Clark excited, but I think there should be like, oh, yeah, the Grizzlies just got another good player at that, 50, the 51st pick in the draft. That draft party was fun. It was an enjoyable time, and we were very excited when we got Brandon Clark, and we were right to be excited, by the way, for, for that selection. So Sandro, and again, this is – we talk about Memphis has a like a cult following for random players, right? <laughs> I feel like like Hamed Haddadi stands out in my mind. Like people loved Hamed Haddadi. For no, he wasn't good at basketball, but they, they loved him. Uh, Sandro seems more skilled than Hamed Haddadi. And I think that he would really just kind of, when he came into the game, I could pe- see people going, Sandro, or something like that. Uh, almost like Rocky at the end, at the end of Rocky four yelling Drago um, before their big fight. But <laughs> I may, I'm, 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 I'm dating myself. Very few of our listeners have probably seen Rocky four, but anyway, we're finishing up here with Rich Stamen. He does a remarkable job covering the NBA draft at Mavs draft. If you don't already follow him, make sure you do a credentialed NBA draft analyst. He's a co-host of the Mavs draft podcast. He's the host of the locked on NBA draft podcast. Again, just a remarkable follow somebody that makes you a lot smarter about the NBA draft entering into it. Make sure you're taking advantage of him as a resource as you prep for the NBA draft with the Memphis Grizzlies. All right. So we got Sandro. I'm I, I, again, I want to reemphasize that I said very, 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 very poor man, but I'm getting Jokic vibes from this guy. You're firing me up, Rich. Give me one more sleeper for the Grizzlies in the second round there at 51. Yeah, so this one's going to be a high floor guy who comes in. You know, I, I think Memphis should continue to prioritize backup point guard. Uh, this is a guy who I've loved at Colorado this whole season. I really liked him last year because I saw him against Tyrell Terry and he stuck out. Uh, and that's Colorado's McKinley Wright. He's six feet, has a six foot five wingspan, um, great on ball defender, really quick, and can just, he understands the game. He can be an immediate backup point guard. Kind of gives me Ish Smith's Smith vibes, which I think a lot of teams could use that kind of guy. Absolutely. And I do think, Parker, one of the interesting things about this sleeper is as John Morant grows and develops into the superstar that he already seems to be on the precipice of being, we could debate whether he's there already or not. That could be a conversation we have on another podcast. But he's going to get there, health permitting, right? Knock on wood. He's going to be one of the next superstars in the NBA if he's not already there. He plays point guard. He's going to play 34 to 36 minutes a night, if not more. Do you need an $8 million a year backup point guard in Tyus Jones? I don't know that you do. Now, that's not to discredit what Tyus Jones has done. If you want to argue that Tyus Jones is the best backup, backup point guard in Memphis Grizzlies history, I don't know that I'm going to disagree with you at this point, but your superstar is a point guard. And if you're not sure that Tyus and Ja can play next to each other long-term, does it make sense to have so much of your cap, that valuable cap money, like we talked about earlier, it's going to start getting tight in the next couple of years. Does it make sense to have that much tied up in a guy like Tyus Jones? Or do you take a flyer on a backup point guard in the second round, move on from Tyus, and now you've got a guy under team control on cheap money for two to three years. Yeah, I mean, you honestly kind of read my mind there. At, at some point, you're you're going to get price sanitized, Jones. To be honest, you're you're not going to be able to retain him for the similar cost 
that you're having him under contract right now because for one, you're about to be paying like high 20s, low 30s million dollars annually for John Morant and tying up almost $40 million in two point guards that can't play next to each other kind of just seems uh, not the best resources of money there. And for the but record, also, we're not saying that McKinley Wright, Rich, can do that, right? Like he's six foot tall. He, he has a six foot five, he has a six five wingspan, which is impressive for his size. Uh, yeah, but but he's not somebody that we're saying that he can go out and play next to John Morant for all these minutes either. Like I, I think if they build this roster the right way, you know, like let's say they make the trade for the combo guard, or maybe with the seventeen pick they pick a combo guard like a like a Josh Christopher or a Josh Giddy, Davion Mitchell, Miles McBride, Jared Butler, someone like that, Jared, uh, Jaden Springer, you know, like in the playoffs when the rotations are crunched, you can just have 48 minutes at all time where it's John Morant and your starting shooting guard. Whereas, you know, if you get a guy like McKinley Wright, maybe let him get some reps with the hustle while you kind of figure out Tyus Jones and his expiring contract then maybe he can come in and he can be that regular season backup point guard that you don't really have a problem kind of crunching out of a playoff rotation, if that makes sense. Absolutely. McKinley Wright, again, his biggest negative, according to Tankathon, is draft age. Sound familiar? In terms of the kinds of guys that this Grizzlies front office goes for, I do agree with the general consensus from Parker and Sean Coleman and other folks that this is the year to go for an upside swing at 17. To me, that makes a ton of sense. You draft the, the best prospect, the guy that you think has the highest ceiling. You hit on all these other surefire pieces. You might as well go for the upside swing, especially if it's a wing player. At 51, if you're going to keep that pick, and again, that probably means you're moving on from Jonte Porter, which maybe they are, that to me would be a place that you take someone, even if they don't play immediately, that is somebody that you see as a prized piece in terms of being a contributor, right? They may not be some elite NBA player. They may not have the ceiling of some elite star, but you know you can put them on the bench. They can be your 10th, 11th, 12th man, and they can contribute. Kind of like a John Conchar type. And Conchar, in fairness, was signed after the draft, right? So he was not even a draft pick of the Grizzlies. He was somebody that they prioritized as a draft free agent, and they brought him in in that way. Uh, and he played with the hustle for a good bit. So I, I think that that is an important perspective to keep. It's not even just the draft itself as much as it is getting guys into the G League Memphis hustle and getting them kind of thoroughly uh, taken down in that way. Uh, Rich, we'll get you out of here on this. I'm curious, again, I, I talk a lot on the podcast about the Memphis bubble, right? It, it, it's what leads people to believe that Jonas Valanciunas is a top three to five big in the NBA because he's not. He's not. But the, the Memphis bubble, you, you go in and you talk to you know, JV Hive members and it's infiltrated Memphis and they'll say he's a top five big in the NBA. He's not. Or you know that Kyle Anderson is untradeable. I've seen people tell that to me. And, and that's just not accurate. Like There's one person that's untradeable on the Memphis Grizzlies. It's John Morant. Like if, if the right deal came along for Jaron Jackson Jr., I would consider it. You'd be foolish not to, given his injury history. But you say that in the Memphis bubble, and you, not the bubble, are going to burst. So I'm curious, as somebody who is outside of the Memphis bubble, when you look at this draft, where do you see the value for a team like the Grizzlies in terms of what we were just talking about? The upside swing, 
versus continuing to get the Desmond Baines of the world. Sorry, I know that still kind of stings for Dallas folks. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Memphis has been really good these last two drafts of bringing in guys that can contribute now. Do you agree with the idea that it's time to take that upside swing, especially at 17? Or do you think, again, as an outside perspective of this roster, do you think they need to continue with just going at guys that are good at basketball? Because clearly that's their wheelhouse when it comes to making selections. Yeah. So, I mean, I think with Memphis, I mean, the biggest free agent, because I mean, Dallas has this problem too, and this isn't meant to roast or anything, but Memphis hasn't signed a bunch of big free agents, right? It's been oh, sure. Parsons was the mm -hmm. biggest name technically with contract wise, at least. So when you're not getting stars through free agency, you probably need to take a little bit more of a swing. Like it's great that they got themselves role players, they also could, like you said, if something came up for Jaron Jackson Jr., for example, they could easily trade him if they wanted to, probably for a young budding star. So there's other ways if they don't, you know, if they're not too comfortable with um, with drafting a super like a guy with superstar upside. The thing for this draft, though, is that <clears throat> I think you can get away a little bit with drafting for upside at 17 and actually finding someone at 51 that can play immediately. The draft is very deep. It's especially this. The way I have it is one through six is really strong or one through five, excuse me. And then six through like 14 is kind of and eh, not wouldn't want to be there. And pretty much after that, it's like 15 to 60. There's a few tiers in there, but for the most part, it's all interchangeable. Like it is a very deep class. And I think you could get the floor guy at 51 or even if you wanted just to move up into like the 40s uh, to be maybe a little bit more realistic. You could do that because there's going to be someone who falls that nobody expects it, expects him to and like it's probably going to be a high floor guy that people are just overlooking. You can still make the move if you need that high floor guy. I think you should swing at 17 just because there's so many upside guys there. Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, James Bodnight, uh, Moses Moody, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of those types. One of those dudes is going to fall. I do think that's possible. Or all those guys get snatched up and it's somebody like Kispert who falls, and then I think they'd be foolish at 17 to not take the best three-point shooter in the draft again and continue to add that talent. But I think it's going to be one of those two things. But I agree with your general point, Rich. I think that 17 is the place where you take the swing if the board allows you to, and then 51 is where, because, I mean, looking at, the, at some big boards while you've been talking, I mean, Luca Garza is a late second-round selection for most people, and he, you could easily argue, was the best college basketball player last season. So is he going to be an all-world NBA player? Probably not. But is he going to probably stick on an NBA roster because he can eat NBA benches alive? I think that's possible. And if you need a big, which Memphis doesn't, but anybody in those late 50s, I think you're right. They're going to find contributors there, guys that are potential right now fits, and that makes a lot of sense for those teams. Uh, Charles Bassey is another example of that from Western Kentucky, a guy that I've liked watching his film. He's, you know – uh, a late second round guy that if you need a big on your bench to play now, I think he could do that for you. Rich, I wish we had more time, but of course, you know, life in the world revolves and keeps spinning. I know you're a busy man this time of year. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It is appreciated. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. That's Rich Stamen, Mavs draft. Thank you so much, Rich, for your time. Thank you so much to Parker Fleming, of course, as always for joining me on this show and thank you kind listener for joining us for this episode of GBB Live. We will be back soon. Until then, for Parker, I am Joe. Make sure you're subscribing to the GBB Live Podcast Network, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, uh, Google, any place that you can get a podcast, essentially. You can find the GBB Podcast Network, GBB Live. 
3 and D core four starting five. And of course, Parker's new show, the long view, make sure you're checking us out all through the off season beyond the work continues. The grind doesn't stop for grizzlybearblues.com for rich for Parker. I'm Joe grind forth Grizz nation. This has been grizzly bear blues. Live. <laughs> Thank you.